Well, hey, listen, um, I want to just share just a brief moment, and I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to introduce you to a special friend of ours. Um, the book of Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how God gave us some gifts. In fact, he gave us five gifts. We call them the fivefold gifts, fivefold ministries. He gave them to the church called the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, and the teacher. And he gave these five gifts to the church, it says in Ephesians 4, for the perfecting of the saints, to do the work of the ministry. And I know everyone in this room, you realize this, that you're a minister. All of us are ministers. If you didn't know that, I've just deputized you and you're a minister. You just need to know that. If you know Jesus, you're a minister. And so we need to be perfected in that. We need to be encouraged in that. And so God gives us five different gifts. We're familiar many times with the pastor, the evangelist. We've heard of teachers. We listen to them. Not so much maybe we're familiar with the apostle or even the prophet. But can I just say that they're still real and they're still pertinent in the New Testament church? It's still there. Amen. They really are. And so today, what um, we get an honor to do is to hear from someone that moves in a prophetic gifting. Um, and I'm blessed by that. I met this individual in 2018, in fact, at a conference. And I was at a little workshop at the conference. And... While I was there, we were dismissing, and um, I was sitting next to him, didn't know who he was, and he, as we were getting ready to leave, he said, oh, excuse me, um, I feel like the Lord has a word of encouragement that he wants to give you. Would you mind if I shared that? And uh, I'm like, absolutely, that would be great. And, and he began to just kind of speak to me the word of the Lord uh, into my life and what the Lord was uh, wanting to say to me in that specific season of my life. It became very. Um, it became a word that I cherished. I recorded it on my phone, and I, and I, about last year, Melissa and I we were driving down the road, and we were just talking about you know how you do about your future and about life and about things and stuff. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Just having one of those conversations, and and I remembered this this word that I had been given by this brother. Um, at that conference, and I said, hey, let's, let's listen to this word one more time, because it was three years ago, and we listened to that word, and it was amazing how many things had happened that had been spoken by the Lord into our life uh, that we didn't really believe, or not believe, but not, we had no idea would be happening. So, and there's still some other things that we're waiting on, but that's what God does. He, he, and, and there's three reasons, real quickly, and I'm done, why God gives you a prophetic word. In fact, Paul said, you know, of all the gifts there are in the Bible, of the, you know, the different types of nine different gifts, you know, you should really covet to prophesy because people need words of encouragement because that's three reasons why we need to uh, give a prophetic word or hear some kind of a, a word from the Lord is to comfort you or to others, to edify you or others, or to exhort you or others. And so that's why the gift of prophecy or the prophetic uh, gift has been given to the church because people, I don't know about you, but I need a little comfort from time to time. How many, how many do I have in the house and say, yeah, I can use a little comfort? Amen. And sometimes I need someone just to edify me, just a little edification. That'd be nice. Don't, don't drag me down. Don't tell me how bad I am. Just edify me a little bit. Just give me a little bone from time to time. Or a little exhortation, like, you know, a little attaboy. Keep going, buddy. That's good. We all need those three things in our life. And that's the gift of the prophetic. When you get a word from the Lord, the Lord wants to build his body, his church up. And so today, 
I want to introduce you to our new friend from Northwest United States, way up in this Washington State area and Oregon State area, uh, Pastor Jeff McCracken. Pastor Jeff, would you come? Bless us somewhere. Can you stand? Come on, stand with me. Give a great big summit church. Come on, stand. Give your best welcome to Pastor Jeff McCracken. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Pastor told me that if you weren't responding to the sermon to yell Roll Tide. That's it? I get a laugh? That's it? Okay, well, I could get a laugh just standing up here, you know, this face, you know. I, uh, I brought some beautiful people with me. Um, my wife, number one, Roxanne. Um, not, not, wa- not wife number one, the number one. <laughs> I need to be careful or I'll be the last one. Anyway, uh, my wife, Roxanne, and uh, our oldest daughter, Maddie. Wave your hand, Maddie. Our, oldest, our youngest daughter, Abby. And uh, we have a son at home, Ian. He is at home house-sitting and taking care of Rudy the dog. Uh, Rudy is about six months old, and, uh, and our son Ian's dog, and uh, I think he's a crackhead. But anyway, um, he's a crazy dog. Anyway, we love him, though. They probably people say that about me, too. I don't know. Anyway, um, yes, we live in Longview, Washington. We pastor in Rainier, Oregon, either side of the Columbia River, and uh, it's a beautiful place. It's green all the time. We were uh, kind enough to bring some weather with us this morning. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I was going to get any amens on that one. The, uh, it's cold out there. We had, uh, we had snow starting uh, Christmas Day for about two weeks. We had about seven inches of snow at our house. We actually had to cancel church one week and uh, got a day off. That was nice. Anyway, um, but uh, we get to travel quite a bit and uh, do prophetic ministry and apostolic ministry. And um, I'll talk to you about that sometime. If I do a good job, maybe he'll have me back. So, you know, I, you know. Anyway, yeah, anyway. But uh, just before I get too far along here, um, don't you guys appreciate your pastors? They are awesome. They are really, really good. And uh, would you guys just stand for just a minute? Pastor JP and, and Melissa. And sometimes I get tongue-tied because at home, so I'm Pastor Jeff, and they call me PJ, and he's JP, and so like I'm the anti-JP or something, I don't know. Um, but sometimes I get tongue-tied. I, the other night I called him P, JP or P, PJ. I, I, man, I don't know what I called you. Anyway, um, PJP, Pastor JP. Okay, all right. But Hey, no, for real, I want to give you a word here. Um, as I was praying for you guys, uh, you know, in the, in the days before I got here and, and after I got here, um, the Lord, yeah, get your phone on so you can record it. He, we, he, he's looking for it right now. Where's that app at? You guys laugh like you never done that. Come on. Oh, look at this. You got an assistant right here. She's ready. Come on. Thank you. There's an apostolic anointing that's been released upon you, and, uh, and it's not just going to impact your church, but it's going to impact this region and beyond. In fact, the Lord is um, releasing three books through you that are, um, he's already um, planted the seeds in you, but he's going to begin to develop those seeds, and you're going to begin to write. This is something that you've thought about, that you've prayed about in the past, but the Lord is going to open up the doors for you to be able to write, and, um, and the things that you write on, they're going to be, um, and in fact, you're going to, before I get to what you're going to write on, the way that you're 
you're going to write is going to be so approachable and so easy to read. It's just going to draw people in. But I see you um, writing about deep things, things that are going to be profound and yet at the same time approachable because that's how you are. That's the makeup of who you are. You can talk about the deep things, but it draws people in. But I also see um, you having an apostolic anointing, and, and some of you don't know what that is, but just stay with me. It's in the Bible. And um, But I see you uh, having a, a leadership anointing um, that uh, is going to impact this area and all throughout this um, start, uh, part of the state, all the way down to the coast and, and around. But I see you um, other leaders coming to you, and I've seen this um, in the last few days with all of the pastors that you have that attend your church. That's, that's, that's something. That's an honor. There's a pattern there. That's not an accident. It's because of the anointing that you carry and because of the leadership anointing that you carry that they're drawn to you and because of your heart for them and they know that they're being well taken care of. They know that they're being loved and they know that they're um, following the leader of leaders and uh, that you are going to um, invest in them and that you're going to empower them and that they're going to be able to walk out what God's called them to do under your leadership. And you're not a micromanager, you're not a controlling guy, but you allow them to walk in that. And Melissa, there's an anointing on you, a gift of hospitality as well as a gift of leadership for women. And I see you um, uh, being a speaker at women's events. I don't know if you've done that in the past, but I feel like God's going to begin to open doors in this year for that, that you're going to begin to um, draw women and they're going to come and they're going to hear your testimony. They're going to hear your heart. They're going to hear things that um, the Lord's laid on your heart. And I see even words of knowledge being released through you where you're going to um, say, oh, woman, you, excuse me, ma'am, um, you've been, um, you've been uh, dealing with cancer. You've been dealing with depression. You've been dealing with this. You've been dealing with that. And it's going to be words of knowledge that you're just, you're going to sense, you're going to feel. And then as you speak them out, you're going to see people break. And it's, as they break, it's going to be broken off of them because of what you declare over them. But this couple is, yeah, come on. You have an amazing staff around you because the Lord's going to begin to open doors for you two to travel and for you guys to be able to go and do ministry. And you guys need to be okay with that because he has a voice, excuse me, they have a voice that they're going to need to go into the nations and go around this nation. And there are things that they're going to need to share, but it's going to bring blessing back to this house and it's going to release this house. And this house is going to be full very soon. You, you haven't been here very long, but don't get too settled. Because the Lord is going to increase to a point that you're going to eventually have to do something different. Multiple services, bigger building, I don't know what it's going to be. You and God work that out. But I feel like great increase is coming. Because, And this is what one of our intercessors said this year. This is going to be the year of 2020 true. True. Lord's going to release truth, and he's going to release truth through you guys, and it's going to be released in this region, and people are going to come to hear the truth because they want the real deal. They don't want any fake news. They want the real stuff, and you guys are the real deal. Would you give your pastors a hand? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to, I know I'm a Yankee. I'm sorry. And I got an accent. I, I, ooh, easy now. Um, I know I talk fast and I apologize, okay? But I've got to talk fast because I have a lot to cover and I don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to preach fast if you'll listen fast. Are you good with that? 
And, and, and I also want to say thank you, by the way, to Bud and Carolyn and to Jerry and Terry. They have been amazing hosts for us and really blessed us and taken care of us. And uh, would you just give them a hand? They have, they have lived up to the Southern hospitality. I want to talk to you this morning about where are we going? Where are we going? And this is specific to you. This is specific to this house and specific to this region. And, and the Lord's given me a word for you guys, and, and I want you to lean into it. And God wants to change some things in the Southwest. Can somebody say amen? He wants to bring three things that I'm going to um, talk about today, and uh, I want to identify these or define these really quick. The first one, and these words have been batted around a lot, so um, I'm going to define them for you so you know what my definition is, so you're not running with somebody else's definition, but he wants to bring revival. He wants to bring revival. Now, that's not just a series of meetings. But revival is actually something where the saints are revived because you can't have revival where someone wasn't alive. To revive someone means that they were formerly alive. We've been having a revival in our church for quite a period of time. And in fact, right now it's taken the form of, uh, of water baptism. And I'm going to show you two videos real quick, if Hannah can have those queued up. Um, uh, we've been having numerous people getting healed as they get water baptized. Now, we don't, we don't have any kind of doctrine about that or anything. We believe just like you do that baptism is, is the evidence of an inner work. It's just a testimony of what's happened in their heart. But um, I want to show you two videos. The first one, I don't know if I gave these to you in order. Hannah, but the first one is a little boy. His name is Cash. And Cash came into our service on a Friday night and Cash couldn't hear. Um, in fact, even with the sound system and everything, he couldn't hear the speaker. And he came up after the service uh, as we were baptizing people and he got baptized in the water and his hearing was instantly restored. And I want to I show you a video of what took place on that night. So if you want to go ahead and roll that, Hannah, that would be glorious. All right, now, what happened when you got in the water? I couldn't hear. You couldn't hear it. What did you tell me when you got in the water? That you had heart problems and that you couldn't hear very well. And what happened when you went under the water? My hearing started getting aisle. Aisle. Until you move the volume. Wow. So Jesus healed you? He healed your ear? Yes. Is that why you're crying? You're so happy. You can hear. Amen. He loves you so much. I some of you may not have been able to hear that because he's real quiet and he kind of mumbles sometimes, but um, he said, and, and no adult would ever describe it this way, but a six-year-old boy would. He said that when he came up out of the water, he said everything just got louder and louder and louder. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. If that doesn't move you, your heart's cold. Come on. I have one more testimony. This is of a little girl. Um, she's the daughter of Marcus Truesdale. Marcus Truesdale is an AG pastor that's near, near where we live. And uh, his daughter um, came in with uh, back issues. And uh, she couldn't um, stand up straight. And if she could, it would take her quite a while because she would have to almost like stretch the muscles and such to be able to do that. She was water baptized. And as she came up out of the water, her back was instantly healed. And um, actually, I don't remember if this is her or her grandma because her grandma also got healed that night. Her grandma 
um, had, because uh, I can't remember which videos I sent you, her, she had knees that um, had no cartilage in. They had not had cartilage for 40 years. And, um, and the Lord instantly, she had been walking with a walker for years and years. And uh, on that night, she was totally restored. And when she walked in with a walker, she danced out carrying the walker. Hello. And so I don't remember which video this is, but Hannah, if you could go ahead and play that, that would be glorious. This is the daughter. That's her mama back there too. Is this the this is my daughter. This is the shoulder you were talking about the No, this is this is her lower back. Uh-huh. My wife's is her shoulder. Okay. So Brianna, what did God heal? Your back. Can you tell him? <laughs> Wonderful. Praise God. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Come on. Listen, you might have been told that Jesus doesn't do that anymore. You were lied to. Because my Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello? And that brings me to the next thing, which is reformation. Jesus is bringing a reformation to the church. He's reforming the church. He's causing us to rethink some of our theology. And I don't have time to elaborate on all of these things, but he's causing us to go back and take apart our theology and take all of the other books off of the table and just put the Bible up there. And what does the Bible say? We need to get back to the Bible. Can I hear an amen? And the church is being reformed. Listen, Martin Luther, uh, years ago, 500 years ago, uh, went and he nailed the 95 thesis to the door. And he said, listen, I don't know what's happening, but we're not following the Bible. And these are the things that we need to get back to. And he talked about the enabling of the saints. And he talked about that every saint, every believer is a priest. And, um, and, And it's so clear in scripture. And yet it took us a couple thousand years to get to that revelation. And can I just say to you that 500 years later, we still don't have all of it. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, he wasn't trying to start a reformation. What he was doing is he was just speaking truth and doing what he knew to do. And I believe that we're in the midst of a reformation, not just in theology, but in our nation. Oh, did I step on toes there? That's okay. Listen, I came pre, pre um, uh, ready to go. I, I, I'm good. I'm just going to speak truth up here. If you like it, it's good. If you don't, it's okay too. I'm getting on a plane at 3.30. So uh, listen, there is a reformation, a rethinking, a, way, a new way to think that we, God is taking us back to scripture and he's taking us back to the way that we need to begin to think. Listen, you are not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint. Hello? When you define yourself as a sinner saved by grace, what you're doing is you're giving yourself a definition that defines you as someone who sins. You're prophesying over yourself that I'm going to continue to sin. That's not who you are. 
you're a saint. In fact, I can prove it to you because all of the books or majority of the books in the New Testament are addressed to the saints at, to the saints at, to the saints. If you're a sinner saved by grace, I don't know what you're supposed to read because that's for saints. Hello? So if you're saved, you're a saint. Well, brother, I still, I still sin. So did Adam. He'd never done it before. Nobody had ever done it before. He did it out of faith. I'm telling you the truth. You're saying, wait a minute, it that's not faith. It was faith for him because nobody had ever done it before. I'm not saying it was faith in the right thing. It was faith in the wrong thing, obviously. It's real quiet in here. <laughs> Pastor, maybe I'm not coming back. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, the reality is, is that um, the amount of faith that he had to be able to sin for the first time is the same amount of faith that it takes you to never sin again. How long can you keep from sinning? I don't know, brother. It's, it's pretty rough. <laughs> maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's 24 hours. See, where we live, there's something called the snake line. Now, thank you, Jesus. We don't have the snakes that you guys have down here because I hate snakes. But um, we have something called the snake line. And when you go up a mountain, there's a certain elevation that you reach where snakes can't live above that elevation. It's called the snake line. And if you live above that, above that elevation, there's no snakes there. And, um, and I believe that we as Christians can live above the snake line. Come on. And we don't, we don't need to sin. It's not a necessity. It's a decision. I, some, of, some of you are, are old enough to remember when I talk about this. You know, how many of you know who Flip Wilson was? Okay, you just gave your age away. Okay, all right. He, he had this skit about the devil made me do it. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, devil can't make you do jack. He can cajole you, he can beg you, he can implore you, he can even cooperate with you, but at the end of the day, you're the one who decides whether you sin or whether you don't. Hello? Listen, the third thing is, is that God's bringing an awakening. An awakening. That's where the world becomes awake to the fact that there is a God and that he's real. Now, I'm, I'm just going to stay in your seats now. Being woke is a terrible substitute for an awakening. Being woke is not what we're talking about. We're talking about an awakening. Being woke is um, being fed a bunch of lies that aren't true. An awakening is when you realize who Jesus Christ is and you realize that you need him in your life. Come on, somebody. But the fact is, is that the awakening that needs to take place in this region is not going to take place on its own, but it's going to take a little bit of help from you and me. That means that you're going to have to get outside the four walls of your church because the, the revival and the awakening and the reformation want to work together, but the awakening place has, or the awakening portion of it has to take place outside of these four walls. And the idea that you are waiting for people to come in here to get saved is not going to work. We've been trying that for some 2,000 years, and we're still in the minority. Listen, there's 7 billion people on the planet today. There's 2 billion that identify themselves as Christians. If I do the math right, and I did go to public school, so you may have to help me, but... Um, 
If you do the math right, that means that if you share Jesus with somebody one per day, we could have this whole thing wrapped up in three and a half days. Some of you are still doing the math. Listen, the greatest things that a church does are not inside the building, but outside the building. And in Ezekiel 40, come on. In Ezekiel 47, it talks about that the water begins to flow out from underneath the river, begins to flow out from underneath the doors of the temple, and that it it starts out ankle deep, and then it goes knee deep, and then it goes waist deep, and then it's over their heads. If you want to read through that and put a prophetic tint on it, that means that the greatest miracles are going to take place far from the church, not in the church. I want to be out there where I'm in over my head. In fact, if you read through that passage, it says that's where the trees of healing are. That's where, um, where many fish are caught. I think we're called to be fishers of men and that we're supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. That's what my Bible says. All right, let's move on. Maybe I'll pick up a few more. The church has taken on a victim mentality that has taken us off the truth that Jesus would, and, and took us away from the fact that Jesus was the victim and we don't have to be. And when I say he's the victim, I, I want to clarify that because he volunteered. He wasn't overtaken. Come on, somebody. We need to realize that Jesus took on the cross what we never have to take on. He paid for our provision so that we would never have lack. The success of this church will not be found inside of the building, but outside in the marketplace, the schools, the government, etc. And as you take the kingdom of God to the people of your region, it can change this entire region. Come on, somebody. I don't think bars and strip clubs and all that stuff are shut down by legislation. I think they're shut down by lack of need. The prohibition that took place in the early 1900s of outlawing alcohol was not very successful because they approached it from the wrong end. They approached it from the end of trying to remove it. In fact, what they should have removed was the desire for it because there ain't no high like the most high. Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 18. I am bringing some scripture in to make this legal. Mark 16, 14 through 18, we still need this today. It says, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. By the way, the church needs that. There's a lot of believers that have unbelief and hardness of heart. There's a lot of church, there's a lot of church members, there's a lot of believers that, that believe the doctor's report more than they believe Jesus' report. In uh, the first book that I wrote, It's called The Dangerous Book for Christians. You can find it on Amazon. There's a young man that uh, had come to our church, and uh, his right arm was stepped on by a 900-pound bull in a rodeo in 1993. It was broken in 13 places, and they were going to cut the arm off at a hospital in Seattle. And instead, a surgeon came in in the middle of the night and cobbled that arm back together. But 17 years later, when he came to our church as a young man who was going through a divorce, and uh, he had actually come down the hill and and was going to head across the river to go to a bar to forget about the divorce he was going through. And even though he had grown up in that town, somehow he missed the turn to go across the bridge and went to turn around in our church parking lot, a building he had never been in before. And he decided to come inside and see what was going on on a Sunday morning. 
morning. Talk about a divine appointment. He came inside and he ended up getting saved. And just a few months later, on a Sunday night, as the uh, Holy Spirit was moving, uh, he was standing up in the altar and his right arm was four and a half inches shorter than the other arm and it was 28 degrees from being able to straighten out. It had been that way for 17 years. It wasn't just one or two days, 17 years it had been that way. Doctors could not do anything else to fix it. As we stood there uh, worshiping and praying and ministering in the altar that night, uh, Ray Harrison, one of our elders, began to pray for this young man. And as he prayed for him, his arm straightened out for the first time in 17 years. And so they came and told me, and I thought, if God could straighten out an arm, he can grow out an arm. So we brought him up on the, we have some steps on the front of our platform. I was standing about right here with him. And uh, as I prayed for him, I had all the people point their hands that way. And uh, I began to pray for him. And the first time I prayed for him, his arm grew an inch and a third. And I prayed for him again, and it grew another inch and a third. And then I prayed for him again, and it grew another inch and a third. This took about 10 minutes. Now, if you can do the math, that comes to four. But his arm's four and a half inches shorter. So it's still half an inch shorter than the other arm. The end of his longest finger lined up with his pointer finger. And I actually turned to him. I, 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 God's honest truth. I turned to him. I said, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid if I pray again, your arm's going to be too long. <laughs> he said, it's good. <laughs> and the next morning, he went to the high school because he was assistant football and baseball coach for Rainier High School. And so he went in in the morning and uh, it was springtime. He went in to work out with the baseball team before school and um, they would do dips on, uh, on chains. They have these chains that hang down. They have these handles. And every time he would go to do his, the kids would adjust the chain to be shorter because it needed to be shorter for his shorter arm. And they started to adjust it. And he said, you don't need to do that. My arm grew out. They said, come on, man. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, I went to church last night. God healed my arm and it grew out four inches. And they said, what? And he showed them. And they said, guys, you got to come here. You got to see this. And the whole baseball team gathered around him. And he showed them and he shared the testimony of what Jesus had done in his life. Why? Because they asked. It's by Romans 2, 4 says, by his kindness that we come to repentance. I don't know anything kinder than a prophetic word or healing. Come on, somebody. That testimony went through the whole high school that day. The whole high school. Come on, somebody. Let's go back to the scripture. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not will believe will be condemned. Now, listen, there's a lot of churches that will put that part up on a sign or a banner or something outside their church. Um, they'll even put it up inside the church. Even some Baptist churches will put that part up. I'm not saying nothing about them. I'm just saying they'll put that part up. But they don't put the next part up. Not even some of the Pentecostal or charismatic churches will put the next part up. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, let me just tell you that that means that if you were to go to a court of law and you were going to be convicted, this would need to be the evidence that would convict, convict you. According to Jesus' words, it's in red in your Bible. 
You all have Bibles down here, right? I'm just checking. Okay. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Come on. Last month at our revival meeting, we had uh, six people show up that were demonized. We like that. It's where they should come. And I believe that you should have enough of the Holy Spirit in your service that it actually creates a reaction. I want them to manifest. If they don't manifest, that means we don't have enough Holy Spirit. We're just playing a game. We're just having a meeting without Jesus. In Revelation, it says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That means he's on the outside of the church wanting to get in, but nobody will let him in, and they're having a church without him. Say law. That means think about it. That's not good, having church without Jesus. These are the things that we're supposed to be doing. There's a word in the New Testament that Jesus' word used for church. It's ekklesia. It's a Greek word. But the original meaning when he used it was actually a governmental entity that would meet at the city gates. And they would make policy for the city based on the things that had happened in the days and weeks before. And they would make policy for the city. They were a governmental agency. They had a lot of authority. And Jesus decided to use that word for church. There had been no word for church before. There had been synagogue, tabernacle, all those things. But he, he crafted a new word, ecclesia, and it's church. And can I just say to you that what Jesus was saying about that is he was saying that we need to be the ones that are setting the rules, the guidelines, and the mores. We need to be the ones that are dictating the culture. We shouldn't be being dictated to, but we should be impacting the culture and changing the culture outside of our church, not just inside our church. The days of the church just being a bunch of rules and no impact on the world, that's not, that's not accomplishing anything. In fact, the church is just supposed to be a part of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom. That's the thing that Jesus preached on the absolute most in his ministry was the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't give his life on a cross so that we could play church. Jesus didn't take all of those beatings and whippings so that we could have a wussy, panty-waisted church that hides in its own building. Jesus didn't walk in ministry on this earth so that we could just not share with those that are around us. Jesus didn't tell us to raise the dead, heal the sick, and cast out demons so that we could be a powerless church. He called us the ecclesia because he wanted us to lead, to have an impact, to have a voice, and to make a difference. Jesus said that the nations would be our inheritance. That means that we need to have something that can overtake nations. Listen, I've spoke to world leaders. I've spoke to military leaders. I've spoke to uh, uh, pro athletes. I've business people, et cetera, et cetera, all over the world. And, and I've got to prophesy over them and speak life into them and encouragement into them. And I just want to tell you that it changes lives and it changes history. 
I've ministered to people where they've had a whole, whole long history in their family of, of, of this, that, and the other thing, and all of a sudden Jesus impacts them and it changes everything. Their kids and their grandkids, they will face a new reality because they're a new creation. They don't have to live in the junk that their family lived in. Come on, somebody. This is not up to God, it's up to us, because he gave us free will. I want to have the worship team come, I know I'm running out of time. And by the way, that's a sign to you that I'm almost wrapping it up, so that's like, you know, if you have faith, then, you know, this guy's almost done, send him back north. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to Ezekiel 37. I want to speak to you something that I believe that is going to impact this region and hopefully impact you first. Ezekiel was a prophet and he heard from the Lord and there's two kinds of prophecy. There's prophecy where you declare the future and then there's prophecy where you command the future. It's called foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling, I'm not a very good golfer. Any, any golfers in the room? One up there. Okay, I see, I see that hand. <laughs> I'm not a very good golfer. So like if you hit an errant ball, which most of mine are, and it's going to hit somebody, you're supposed to yell four. Now, if you're on a golf course and you hear that, you better look around or get knocked down. Seen that happen too. Thank God it wasn't my ball. Anyway, foretelling, the reason we yell four is something's about to happen. Foretelling is prophecy when, when, when you're declaring something's going to happen. But forthtelling is when you speak to it and you cause it to happen. You cause it to happen. And you have that power and authority in your life. Jesus gave it to you. He paid a great price for it. When, when you go, I was talking about this with someone the other night, when you go to pray for somebody, listen, don't go and, you know, Jesus, you know how good they are. You know, you know how good Billy is, Lord. We just ask that you would just bless him, that you pour your spirit out, you know, all this stuff. Listen, we don't have to do that. God knows how good Billy is. What you need to do is you need to make a command. Jesus never one time begged his father to, to heal somebody. Not one time. Read through the Gospels. He commanded it every single time. Rise up and, and, and walk. I command your eyes to see. We can do that in the name of Jesus. We've been given that authority. We, we don't have to beg God. He's already paid the price. Bill Gates lives about two hours from where we live. If he were to give me a credit card that was prepaid, millions of dollars, first thing I'd buy is a Ferrari, but that's beside the point. Um, the, uh, if he gave me that card, but I never went out and bought anything with it, that would be a sad state of affairs, wouldn't it? But if he gives me that and I go spend some stuff on it, that's fun. Jesus paid for us to have a spiritual credit card and some of us aren't spending anything off of it. Come on. Well, let me close with this. Ezekiel 37, I'm gonna read verses one through 10. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and was full of bones. 
Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, let me just tell you, when God's asking you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because we don't. And Ezekiel's a genius. He says, God, only you know. That's a good answer. Oh, Lord God, you know, he says. Verse four, again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Come on, stand up. Prophesy and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Listen, I don't know if you can hear it, but I can hear bones rattling in Alabama. I can hear bones rattling in Foley. I can hear bones of your kids and your grandkids and your prodigals. I can hear them rattling. Can you hear them rattling, church? I hear breath beginning to come into and sinews beginning to grow. I can begin to hear people coming to life in this region, waking up to the reality that there is a Jesus that loves them the same on their best day and their worst day. They just don't know it yet. But you're called to go and share that with them. And so listen to me. If you can hear those dry bones rattling, I want you to begin to come and stand at this altar because I want to pray over you. I want to release something over you. And if you're ready to see Alabama, come to Jesus. Let's come and get it. Come on.
somebody here that you have lung issues you have a hard time breathing there's a heaviness that's on your chest who is that put your hands up right now there's several people who is it right down here right here who else back here back there who else put your hand up come on nice and high you right here keep your hand up please back here if you're right here if you're near one of those people with their hand up over here put your hand on them right now they're gonna get healed right now come on We just speak over these lung issues right now in the name of Jesus. We command the capillaries to open up. We command all of those lungs to open up. We command them to be filled with breath right now in the name of Jesus. That there will be no more health issues. Lord, that there will be no longer any shortness of breath. But Lord, they will be healed right now in the name of Jesus. We receive it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's somebody here that you have a heart murmur. Who is it that has a heart murmur? You do? Okay. Who else? Back here, over here, over here. Lay your hands on them. Anybody else back here? Keep your hand up so they can see over here. We speak to these heart murmurs right now in the name of Jesus. We command these hearts to be healed right now heart murmurs be gone total health total wholeness in the name of Jesus right now right now hearts we call you into compliance in the name of Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord leukemia there's somebody here that's battling with leukemia over here right there is there someone else Get some ladies around her. Anyone else? Any other forms of cancer? Right there. Here. Back there. There's, can I get a couple ladies to go right back here? 
Anyone else? We don't want to miss anybody. Does he have his hand up for that back here behind you? Okay. We speak to cancer right now in the name of Jesus. We command it to go. No more tumors. No more growths. No more being out of compliance. We command you to go in the name of Jesus. I hate cancer. Cancer be gone in the name of Jesus. Freedom and liberty in the Holy Ghost. We command those cells to come into alignment and operate the way that they were created to, to operate. We command cancer to go back to hell in the name of Jesus. Cancer, get the hell out of here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's somebody that, um, you've been having headaches. I don't know if it's a, a tumor or if it's something else. You have headaches on a right, right back there on a regular basis. Who else is it? Right down here, right here. Who else? I need a couple ladies back here with her, with her, with her right here. I'm sorry, I didn't see you right up in the front. Right here, can I get some men around him? Right over here. We speak to these headaches right now in the name of Jesus. We command them to go. No more distraction. No more attacks of the enemy. Stress and anxiety be gone in the name of Jesus. We command freedom in the Holy Ghost. Liberty and freedom in the Holy Ghost. No more headaches. In Jesus' mighty name, freedom in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you want to, if you responded in wanting to see Alabama say, put your hands up like this, please. Okay, now do the, no, I'm just kidding. I was gonna have you do the wave or something. Listen, I just wanna pray for you right now. Listen, in fact, go ahead and put your hands down for a second. Just put your right hand up like this. I swear, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, sorry. Kind of fun. It's like Simon says. Anyway, just put your hands up. Lord, I just speak over these right now. And I speak over the, uh, the state of Alabama. Lord, and I call Alabama to the altar right now in the name of Jesus. I call it to the foot of the cross in the name of Jesus. I speak over prodigals right now. I call you home in the name of Jesus. If you have prodigals in your life, I want you to call their name out right now and call them home in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice right now. Call them home. You're calling them in the spirit realm. Call them home. Come on, it's time to come home in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we speak over this state right now. And Lord, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, we release Holy Spirit, we release angels, and we release believers, Lord God, to impact this state. And Lord, we even give permission for it to leak out into Pensacola and some other spots. Come on. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're gonna do in this state. Lord, I see it being changed this year in 2022. I see the... the the state being changed. Just like many states are changing in color for their political views, I see this state changing color for its spiritual views in the name of Jesus. 
I speak over Foley and Orange Beach and Perdido Beach and this whole surrounding area. Lord, we ask that you just release a wave of your Holy Ghost right here, Lord God. Lord, we ask for people to get saved in Walmart, Lord God, in Dollar Tree, in restaurants, in stores, in the park, in kindergarten classes, on the playground, in high schools, in colleges, Lord God. Lord, we're going to take you everywhere. We're not going to leave home without you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us in this region. And Lord, how this region is going to be changed. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this church in particular and through these believers. Lord, you're so good. You love each and every one of these, Lord God. You, you would, the Bible says that you would have died for even one of them. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you love us. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Would you give your pastor a hand as he comes? Where are you, pastor? Can we give uh, Pastor Jeff one more hand? Thank you, Pastor Jeff, so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, man, I am so excited for 2020 true. <laughs> I love that. That's a good word. We're going to see God do amazing things. This is just the beginning. He's found the people, the dry bones have come alive. Sinews coming back together. And things are about to happen and shake loose. So get ready, get ready, get ready. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything else, I don't know why you would need prayer, but if you do, uh, we'll have some prayer teams up here available for you. If you want to know more about Jesus and we go have a little place out in the lobby, you go out there and just talk with them. We'd love to talk with you more. God bless you. Turn around. Greet your brother and sister on the way out. Tell them God's on the move. Come on. Will you do that? Come on. God's on the move. God bless you.